My first bit of advice is do not worry. If you start worrying about your food, you then start creating a culture and behavior. Every time you put something on the plate, overthinking what, what's going in your body. Is that right? Is that what the nutritionist said? Is that what the Premier League people are doing? Don't need to worry. Parents want to have a really healthy diet. And they say things like they're not allowed pizza. Huh? Uh, and the best thing is, it's just to steer them into the right direction of education. If I was to have that before a game, um, it doesn't help. Right, so I just feel like I get no effect from it. it. Just goes straight through me and doesn't even feel as good as pasta does. It's a natural bar. We're trying to include very minimal ingredients as possible. I, I had this idea and I thought, and that's where the pre-60 bar came about. Just quick favor guys, hit the follow subscribe button, share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow, the better the episodes we get. Thanks guys for helping us. And let's get into the episode. And he's here. He is here. Cristiano has entered the building. Welcome to wherever you are, to the Old Trafford Theatre. Welcome back to a new episode of the Sculpted Podcast. Today we have a four-man team. Nick, myself and two special guests. Liam Miller and Alex Levington. So first of all, I start out with um, Liam. Could you give us a quick introduction of what you do, what you're currently up to? And afterwards, I'll give you some quick fire questions. A hundred percent. So my name's Liam Miller, also known as The Professional Diary on all socials. Um, I play football, documenting my journey uh, along to becoming a professional footballer. And then I also do a social media page on the side, as I mentioned, called The Professional Diary documenting my journey um, and then also helping other people to eat healthier and that's what I've partaken on with Alex we're on a journey now with our startup called the performance guys and our pre-60 bar to help athletes uh, fuel themselves before training and games looking forward to the episode with you guys and more specifically about uh, the pre-60 fueling bar that you have in mind and hearing more about the concept but let's uh, start with the quick fire questions we have 10 questions lined up just give us your most spontaneous answer and uh, let's uh, start straight into it. Favorite pre-game ritual? So pre-game ritual, I don't really have a pre-game ritual, but maybe when I step onto the pitch, uh, kind of hop in. So I do like two hops on my left foot over the line and then straight onto my right foot. Perfect. Your favorite all-time footballer? Uh, Got to be Ronaldo. Controversial. One word to one word to describe your playing style on the field. Um, I'd say composed. Favorite post game meal or snack? Oh, one's uh, a hard one. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe a Nando's, some some sort of chicken protein. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. If you weren't a football player, what would you do? Business, business person, definitely. Go to song to help you up before a pregame. Uh, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill or uh, Chant by Macklemore. Favorite football memory or your favorite moment from yourself playing a game? Got to be Barnett, professional debut, uh, Bournemouth versus Barnett a, f a, few, a few months ago. Love that one. Best piece of advice you've received as an athlete? To stay stay consistent. Um, 
stay stay consistent because it's it's better being consistent, being a seven, eight out of ten every game than being a ten out of ten one game, and then the next you're playing at a five or a four. Um, so staying consistent definitely. Favorite travel destination? Copenhagen. Best team you've ever played against? Um, Tottenham. Tottenham, I think. Yeah. Academies or the Fed? Academy, yeah, Academy under eighteen. Nick. Yes. All right. Oh, thanks for that, Liam. That was a great introduction. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a longer introduction to the both of the guests today because we've got four of us. This is, again, as Val said, the first time in a while we've done a four, four-man team. So moving on to our next guest, Alex, if you can give us a quick introduction to who you are, who you are and what you do, and we'll move on to your 10 quick five questions. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm Alex Levington. Uh, I currently work in elite sports as Fulham FC's Academy Nutritionist. And I have my own business in Strength and Nutrition, which is working with athletes up and down the country in different sports, not just football, all the way to water polo, Olympic sports, risen jiu-jitsu. And that's working on nutrition and as well as working on elite habits, just looking at ways that we can form long-lasting sort of elite habits to elicit better performances, recovery, and so on. And now I joined up with Liam to launch a, a pre-match bar which is going to be accessible from you know grassroots all the way to professionals, so allowing everyone out there to have the most adequate and best nutrition possible. And I'm trying to do a PhD, which is if if it hit a miss a PhD, I'd say. All right, awesome. Um, well, let's start with your ten quick five questions. Let's go with the favorite snack to recommend to athletes. Haribo's. I did not expect that. All right. Most memorable success story in your career as a nutritionist? Uh, so my first role at Ports of Women's, ACL recovery, 12 months, hard work, and then scored the goal in the last 10 minutes to win the game. Huge. Awesome. All right. One nutrition myth you wish everyone would stop believing? Yeah, there's so many. Uh, we'll go with white bread being bad for you when it can be one of the best performance and hearts of boots out there. All right, awesome. Favorite way to stay active or fit outside of work? Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu, gym, run here and there. All right, very interesting. And what's your favorite food? Uh, thai food, tamarind duck is my favorite. Okay. Thai food's always a always good one. What is one book or resource that greatly influenced your approach to nutrition? So there's a book called Peak by Mark Bubbs. It's an excellent book which covers sports science disciplines, psychology, sports nutrition, uh, and allowing someone trying to learn how to get peak performance for themselves and as a practitioner. What is your favorite aspect of working with athletes and helping them perform better? I think when you when it all comes together and you're part of that win or part of that behavioral change, that gets them one step further to that professional game or even as a personal goal, just that step further, being a part of the team. Yeah, all right. And the best piece of advice for something pursuing a career in sports nutrition? It's a really good question. I think be expected to do other things other than nutrition. So have a multidisciplinary type skill set so you can understand the ongoings of what a person's going through, not just their nutrition. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, 
Do you have a favorite cheat meal or do you have something that you like to do when you're not focused on nutrition? To this question, I, I, I don't actually believe in cheat meals. So that's a hard question. But the cheat meal for me would be having like two or three pizzas after like a big competition in jiu-jitsu or something like that. So indulgence more than a, than a cheat meal, I'd say. Okay, okay. And if you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? I think I'd go with what most people would say and someone like Muhammad Ali just to talk about mentality and how you can be so good but so calm alright I like that one well Liam and Alex thank you very much for the introduction I hope that our listeners get to know you guys a bit more and with that let's go into part one which will be the sides of athletic fueling and we want to talk about the periodical timing of nutrition specifically and maybe alex if you could give us a quick uh overview of the importance of timing our meals for athletic performance and let's just say peak performance in general yeah so it's firstly really important to mention that any fueling hydration pre whatever strategy and nutrition you're trying to achieve is that it always has to be individualized so if we look at evidence base and what fueling is trying to do we're trying to peak at the right time for our games and that we do that via with nutrition means is that we want to increase our glycogen stores if we're talking about team sports mainly here and staying on the lines of football we want to try and consume lots of carbohydrates three days before two days before one day before and on the game day itself what's really important to note is that when it comes to pre-game fueling that only has a small amount effect compared to the three days so it's all about building towards a game now if we look at some of the science sort of things, our pre-match meal should have one to three grams a body weight of carbohydrate. So if we're thinking about how much someone weighs, say 100 kilograms, that should be at the minimum amount of carbohydrate should be 100 grams. The higher should be 300 grams in our pre-match three to four hours beforehand. Remember what we're trying to do is we're trying to make our muscles store as much glycogen as possible. So we run out on the pitch, we're ready to go and we're alert. We have the highest possible energy levels going. The issue is, is that sometimes that you'll do this and you may not have the best performance. Now, some of them people go the other way and try and eat less. What I would say is individualize it, slowly improve it, slowly increase it. So eat your meals three to four hours before. That's our main event meal. Then continuously snack an hour after that. So that's just an increase our carbohydrates over time to give the best possible performance. Now, some people can't eat before. Therefore, you may only snack. But what's really important to do is just start the three to four hours and then increase it from there. Let's say in a scenario um, where a football player has a kickoff at 4 p.m. Let's say we go back three or four hours where we have our last um, pre-match meal. I, I believe that would be at around 11.45, 12-ish. Like as an example, prime example of me yesterday playing a match, we had our last pre-match meal at 11.45 and we had our last breakfast at 10. I'm a player, I love to eat breakfast. But I had a, had issues consuming our lunch or pre-match meal days prior. I do have a better game in that sense. Originally, as you mentioned, some players don't like to consume a lot of fuel because they may feel heavier or they don't digest it as fast. But I noticed as well, you need to individualize it in that sense. Some players may need a quick protein bar uh, or like a protein bar that is lighter on the body. But some players need more and more carbs or bigger plates before meal. I, for example, didn't. I, I focused more on the protein and the because I had a lot of carbs in the morning at breakfast, 
but that's an interesting point because I believe it's it's very individual. But what would you say if players don't like to consume big meals three to four hours before? How can they better ste uh, step into it into their routines? For example, with um, they they have the bars that you may bring out, and they have the quick carb fuel sources with the a high maltodextrine um, or stuff like that. So what are some go-to strategies of yours that you recommend before the games if players are struggling to fuel it a lot with carbs? Sure. I mean, if you have a game, I think you said at four, four o'clock, you can still just have smaller meals in the morning and then have a bigger lunch or vice versa. Like you so you have to individualize it. And we don't really want to prioritize protein and vegetables at our lunch because that's hard to digest. We'd rather have focus on the carbohydrate. A really good idea to do is, is to actually experiment with different carbohydrate intakes. So some people try and go for like a pasta for lunch, which is really heavy. Well, you could either just have a balanced meal, a small amount of pasta, moderate amount of protein and low vegetables and low fiber, and add in things like bread rolls and dessert, where you're actually increasing the amount of carbohydrates you're having. Now, often the feedback we get from that is that that's high in sugar, and that shouldn't really be your main concern. It's a consideration, not a concern. So definitely try and have my first advice would definitely be have different types of carbohydrates and see how they affect you. Opting for a white type of grain, so a white bread, white rolls, would be lighter on the stomach because they have low in fiber. So you should be able to eat a little bit more and not get as full and not feel as heavy. As well, in the mornings, and you have a four o'clock game, your pre-match meal is in your breakfast. So your breakfast can be quite well balanced, just like it is in the week. Then your lunch can be more your pre-match. And remember, a pre-match meal isn't a set There's not a set recipe list. So for you, that could be like, say someone that doesn't have a very good tolerance to food. It could even just be some bread rolls, a few snacks, and that's their pre-match and they're able to get at least one gram per body weight of, of uh, carbohydrates. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a meal. It just needs to be carbohydrates. And of course, we can get a well-balanced meal. Fantastic. If not, we try and individualize it to you. So it could be, you know, even before the game, we have a couple of Haribos just to bump us up a little bit. And also, you mentioned earlier as well about the, You know, having better performances, preparing the days before. That's what's really important. So what happened two, three days before is really important what happens on game day. So you want to slowly build your carbohydrate intake more so each day. So you've got a game on a Saturday, start on a Thursday, Friday, start increasing your carbohydrates each day. That could even be either a smoothie, something light. If you feel like you struggle to eat, if you can eat quite a lot, add some more pasta, add desserts. Um, the one biggest advice I can give anyone to a pre-grain fueling strategy is add desserts to your meal if you struggle to eat because they're highly palatable speaking about the sugars desserts more white or uh, high carbohydrate index foods i think they're called um what about like the glucose spikes um some people may have bigger glucose spikes if they consume more sugar um what's your perspective of like the energy dip after consuming orange juice that um has a high glucose spike and, and uh, foods like that yeah so i think if you're having orange juice with your breakfast and you're getting an energy dip there's something else going wrong rather than a glucose dip you're probably just under fueling generally now of course if you have a medical condition i'm sort of minusing that so 95 of the population shouldn't have a glucose dip or an energy dip from having you know a moderate amount of sugar within their meals provided they're well balanced but remember what we want to do with the timings is that we want to time our sugar intake Or I don't like to say sugar, but our foods that may contain high sugar closer to our game, because sugar is used up very quickly. If you think about what sugar is, 
it's a fuel source. Now, there are arguably there's odd people out there in the population. And when I say odd, I don't mean the way you act look, just in terms of a population um, sample. That if you have some sugar or have white bread or have orange juice, you may dip and we'd need to investigate that further. But generally speaking, if you have your sugar intake closer to the gains, if you look at energy gels, they're just 100% sugar and 100% carbohydrates. They typically don't give you a dip in energy because you have them close to your gains. You don't have them for breakfast. But if you can periodize your nutrition to have more balance in the morning and a more pre-match in the afternoon, you should be able to peak at your performance later on. But sugar is uptaken very quickly and you can utilize that the fuel source far greater than having it in the early in the morning. I've, I, for example, also consume energy gels uh, during halftime, which gives me, I personally feel like a boost for the second half. If I'm feeling tired, it just gives me personal preference of, of that sense. But I liked your point about uh, up, uh, bringing up your carb intake days prior. Also, you you don't like the term cheat, uh, for, um, uh, meal, uh, meal cheating, let's say. But uh, for example, I sometimes like to consume desserts or something like that just to get in those carbs because as high-performing athletes, we consume so many carbohydrates, uh, so many calories. I think we just need to somehow get those calories back into it. Also, if that means if we binge eat a little bit more foods that may contain more sugars or which are desserts or, or ice cream or whatever it is that you need to fuel up those senses. Or for example, Liam often uses shakes or, or liquid format foods that can benefit you in, in those senses so um that's one one thing that i just took from our conversation right here already is um trying not to focus too much on maybe healthy foods that have a higher um like make you feel more and more um also how's it how, how do i call it full make you feel more full in that sense yeah exactly I think, um, yeah, I think a very thing Alex mentioned as well is the, the periodization of the food, especially for either younger athletes traveling or um, whether you're an athlete going on trial at a club and you have to travel a few hours. I'm sure Nick probably knows about that as well because he's traveling always. Um, and a big point in that is you might have to have that bigger meal um, three to four hours before you travel. And then obviously you might be traveling four or five hours with a coach. So then snacking does come into play, um, snacking on those, whether it's a bar, high energy bar, a high carb bar, or even things like Alex mentioned, some bread rolls or something higher in carbs when you're traveling and taking stuff with you instead of just starving yourself just in entirety of the trip. Um, and then you get into the game and trying to snack on different things. It's obviously that implementation of those hours before the game um, when you are traveling. Because I know a lot of people do struggle with that um, that follow me as well they travel they travel hours to games and then um they say like what can they eat before games what's the best pre-match meal um and alex as alex said there's not one single pre-match meal i can't say what works best for you i know pasta works best for me before a game um whereas rice doesn't work as best although i have oats all the time as well before games but if i was to prepare pasta and rice pasta makes me feel fuller which i personally like the feeling of compared to his rice it doesn't really fill me as much so there's kind of foods different foods that are gonna um, make you feel better than other ones quick question on that as well you are known you know on your instagram for a lot of the food that you've posted and i assume that that's come with a lot of trial and error in itself now one question that i've got for you is how long did it even take you to actually get a strategy for nutrition and then also find the right meals because 
you know, I look at some of the meals that you make and I'm thinking, this guy's a chef. Like this, this, it, the meals are great. So how long did it actually take for you to get to this point where one, you're making delicious meals, but two, you're actually fueling yourself for peak performance. So I, it all probably started about, uh, I think it was probably like when lockdown happened in like 2020, 2021, um, when I was kind of losing weight at that time, I was more of an overweight child in regards to that. Um, I was on the heavier side and obviously to play football, you don't want to be heavy or you might want to be strong, but you don't want to be overweight and have extra body fat that you don't need to be carried around, if that makes sense. So I was kind of on a weight loss journey, if you want to call it, um, in a calorie deficit to lose body fat. Um, and through that, I just started posting um, and taking photos of my food, trying to like make it look nice um, and then also make it nutritious at the same time. Um, so my food was mainly consisting of just high protein foods at the time. Um, and trying to make lower calorie foods, which at which now I know seeing back on that lower calorie foods are the way to go in regards to fueling your performances because I lost too much um, muscle mass and trying to lose too much weight at the same time because I was just eating those low calorie foods all the time. So on that journey, I just I learned how to how to cook, how to try and dial my nutrition in right and the right and wrong foods to eat to fuel my performances because I was under fueling at that point in time. Um, I lost a lot of weight and I was under fueling my body. So to go through that experience to where I am now, um, where I know exactly what I need for my body. Um, and that's also through working with Alex. I worked with Alex for, um, I think it was a two month period, um, two, three month period. And he also was then advising me on the different I did know a, a bit at that time, but he was also then advising me on more advanced techniques like um, match day minus two. We'd have half a beetroot and then we'd load it up and have another beetroot on match day minus one. And then on match day, we'd try fit in, I think it was one and a half, two beetroot just for the nitrates in the ox, uh, the, in the, I think it was the nitrates uh, to fuel the oxygen in the blood which would then, Alex will explain it more, but he, that obviously helps to flow the blood around the body. Um, Alex, do you want to explain that in regards to nitrates and beetroot? It's a bit of a hard one for me to explain, but Alex, Alex can. Yeah, so uh, beetroot is a, is a fantastic food to have. It is quite hard to get the nitrates or the, the recommended amounts or the, the amounts that are going to actually make it work for you. But why it's so good for young athletes is that it can, let's say it's taking me, for example, I'm 30 years old and let's take uh, Liam, who's a bit younger than me in his 20s. For either us to kick a ball, that takes energy. And it takes Liam more energy to kick that ball than it does me. Probably a little bit younger than Liam. So what nitric oxide does, or you get from beetroot, you get a really good amount of nitric oxide built off the body. And it unfortunately only has a small, small lifespan in a, in a system. That's why we build from it from a, a match day minus two point of view is that it pretty much reduces the energy cost of movements. So if you were to run, it'd cost a little bit less. So you've got a hundred pounds, but you had um, some beetroot in the, in the body or some beetroot shots, which is a good supplement to have. It'd cost you less to buy that sprint. So effectively by having beetroot in the diet, you can have a, a better outcome of your, of your energy levels. So beetroot shots, two days, one day before, and then we did it also on the day itself. Now, if we look at the research now, uh, it's slightly changed from when I worked with him. We, we probably want to have beetroot every day. And then you top it up on those days. So maybe Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, you have uh, a beetroot shot or a, 
feature it in the diet and you maybe double it for the next two days up until your game. So it's always got to have a good base level and then increase it for the for the time you need it. I think working with Alex as well, um, when I had that journey with him, just seeing how knowledgeable he was in regards to the nutrition space kind of led up, led me on later on once I thought about kind of the pre-60 bar and um, the performance guys. That's why I so badly wanted to get Alex alongside that because he obviously was so... Um, he was so information like he knew everything so knowledgeable about the space and i thought no better person to have within the uh supplement even our like our bars not a supplement space but for you val like, i know you have your supplement like to have him alongside that would be insane um but for, for me to have alex um as a part of this journey with the pre-60 bar is just something um i'm very grateful for because he's so knowledgeable in the space yeah, it's a really interesting point. I think we also need to be clear on on the population that we're talking about. The general population, for example, a high sugar intake is likely not going to be good for health outcomes because we've now become society where we sit down a lot, we have desk jobs, and if we think about carbohydrates and the sugar that comes with that, it's unlikely that we're going to use that energy. But it's unlikely that we're going to be able to you know, perform at high intensities. And that's what carbohydrates effectively do. They support our high intensity activity. So considering the fact that football team sports, most um, most team sports operate at a high intensity level or they have high intensity components within the, the field of the game. Um, if you look at football, for example, walking, running, jogging, and then sprinting is the four components. We have heading, we have turns of direction. So it's very explosive, very highly active. So the fact that we're, the best way to put it is that you're going to have this stored energy and then you're going to go use it within football. So there's no worry at all about, you know, high sugar intakes on your mindset. Now, if you're only eating sugar, let's say, you know, you, you just down some sugar cubes. And I've actually had someone do this. This is why I'm mentioning it. They uh, took me quite literally. Uh, they just had sugar cubes and they said, you said sugar's fine. And what I'm trying to get across to people, and some people do disagree with the nutrition world that you shouldn't talk about sugar this way. But for me, I think it's about being honest that sugar shouldn't be our main concern when it comes to a pre-match. You know, if you're having some orange juice and that gives you energy, that's great. If you have more carbohydrates that derive, of course, your sugar intake is going to typically go up. That's fine. That's okay because you're about to go play football and perform. So you're eating food for performances. Now, here's a good example where your sugar intake maybe is not as optimal is that you've come to your, you've been on a Saturday, you've had Sunday off and you're back in Monday for a really light session. There's then no need to then have a pre-match meal, pre-training meal, the same as a Saturday. You then, again, build for the week, periodize it throughout the week. So Monday could be like a, an immunity day rather than having a focus on high carbohydrate. Now, if we look at the information, you probably want about 6 to 12 grams of carbohydrates per kilograms per day when it comes to elite football. So if you think if you take your weight right now, whoever's listening, the minimum that I'd want you to have if I was working with you this is assuming that you're in an academy and playing you know, three, five times a week. You're going to have at least six times the amount of your body weight. That's a lot of carbohydrates. And then you want to increase that throughout the week when you build to your games towards 12. Now, if you do 12 times your body weight, you're going to realize how many carbohydrates the research can recommend. And it's unlikely you're ever going to be able to get there. If you can, fantastic. But what we've seen across many teams, many athletes, that you just can't reach that. But imagine trying to do a no-sugar diet and trying to get to the recommended scientific levels of the carbohydrate intake. I mean, if you can do that, you're the richest person in the world, because it's just not possible. 
There is one thing sugar should be considered with, and that's your teeth. Um, if you look at Olympians, particularly cross-country skiers, um, Olympians that do lots of endurance, lots of high intensity, their teeth aren't usually fantastic because they have to consume so much food. Um, I'm not disrespecting people's teeth, but it's just something you can notice that they, it is one when I've worked with Olympians in the past, they brought that up, they have really poor um, oral health uh, because they just haven't been told about having high sugars and the effects it has on your on your teeth and gum. So that's something to definitely watch out for. Uh, and it's something that, again, like I mentioned before about the information about being a nutritionist, we need to know if you just think holistically and think of all the impacts of food. Now, another good reason to mention that is because the debunking of sugar, I feel like it's already been done. And now we've had this wave of uh, TikTok and uh, Instagram kind of demonizing it. But when you actually look at the food that they're giving, the advice for, is actually already high in sugar. So I saw one the other day about a really healthy uh, granola bowl. And I've got no, no problem to granola. Well, they said it was low sugar. And then it was like the Dorset Gardens ones, which is one of the higher sugar ones. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. So the fact that sugar has been demonized, I think is a bit annoying because it, and I don't feel like it, people listening to this should be feel like, oh, I've been told the wrong things. In high level academies where I work, people still avoid sugar. And then they go and have pancakes and honey. So without even realizing it, this is why I say to people, you don't need to worry about sugar on your pre-match days because you're having sugar. There's no worries about it. If you're crashing, maybe we're eating too much and we just need to moderate that down. But what is too much? We need to find that out for the individual. Let's say, let's take all four of us here. Let's say we all had pancakes as our pre-match. I bet you all four of us would have four different reactions because everyone's just so different. Some might feel heavy, some might feel light, some might have a crash. Someone's going to run you know, a PB. So it's all about manipulating it differently. The The consideration as well with uh, the debunking of sugar is that if there is some links to things like dementia, um, processed sugars, for example, added sugars that are being added into products to make them taste nicer. Now, if you're only having them for pre-match and you're just, you know, focusing them on for the half an hour before, then I've got no problem with that. But if you're having them every day and that's causing imbalances within your diet, then we have further consideration of further problems. But the key point here to remember is, is that I'm talking about an imbalanced diet, not a high sugar diet. Because if you're not having, if you're having just loads and loads of sugary foods, say you're just having sweets every day, uh, cakes, biscuits, they're all high in sugar. They're also going to be high in saturated fats, which is a, another consideration, which I think is a bigger concern than sugar in my uh, experience so far as a nutritionist. But you're more likely to have imbalanced diet rather than worrying about sugar. So if you've got a better diet, your sugar levels may actually just level out naturally. And then you can just focus on your pre-match routines being that, you know, whatever that is, three to four hours before, hour before, half an hour before, and then you're away. And I've had great success through that. But I know there are some nutritionists out there. And if you read some clubs, Premier League clubs, they say things like, you know, avoid sugar. And I think that's so misleading because they're then telling them to have pancakes and oats with honey. And I think just don't be misleading. Just be honest and say that, you know, sugar is not going to be bad for us here. We see consider it just like every other food on the plate and then find out what works for you and then if it is a high sugar intake grand if it's not we lower it down okay we build slower so it's all about just tapering it and tweaking it towards your your goals and how you feel amazing there's a lot of information that's very valuable for i think first of all the individual the individualization i think that's a massive component because as you mentioned from the four of us here we're all going to have different reactions and that if we expel them to the 400 people who are listening and then the you know, potential audience that could be even listening outside of this, everyone will have a different reaction. 
Therefore, the tailored approach is completely individual. Now, going on to finding that, maybe Liam, if you can give us an insight and Val, if you can also give us an insight to how you actually started to both find out what worked for you and what didn't through actually just feeling. Because that's something I even struggle with. I feel like I don't even know how to actually, let's say, track how I feel from a specific food. I've almost got to the point where I don't feel a difference. So if you guys, obviously we're all four different people here, so we're all going to have different, um, you know, results. So Liam, if you can go into how you have started to be aware of the effects of nutrition. Yeah. So as I said before, like I, I'll use an example, the same example again, like pasta and rice, two different types of carbohydrates. One makes me feel fuller than the other. So pasta for me, if I was to have that before a game, it makes me feel more energized and it makes me more satiated than rice does. Whereas rice, I just feel like I get no effect from it. It just goes straight through me and um, it doesn't help. Obviously, it has a source of carbohydrates and it has that nutritional um, boost that you want before a game when you're fueling. Um, but it doesn't make me feel as good as pasta does. And as I mentioned before, I so my pre-match meal, I'll give you an example. My pre-match meal is basically just a bowl of oats. What I do is I just blend oats, milk, a banana, um, and then a scoop of protein powder just because it adds flavor, not because I want the protein before a game, just because it adds flavor for it. Um, and then that's something I've worked out over time of having that I've had that over a space of three months and I've consistently felt energized. And I think it's trialing the food. So let's say you want to have a, a salmon, rice, and uh, maybe some bread rolls on a, a dish as your lunch before a game. You have to trial that, whether it's before training um, for like the week, two weeks before. So you, you feel like you feel good in training, having that meal. Um, if, you, if that feels good, then have it on a day before a game, trial it on the day before a game. Um, try that on the game day um, as your pre-match meal and then if you're feeling fine and you're feeling energized with it then try that over that two three month period as your pre-match meal you don't have to obviously have that every day before training and every day before a game um, but have it on sorry you have like have it on your game day as a pre-match meal and then you can see if it, it's working consistently over time and if things like salmon doesn't work for you change it out for some chicken maybe or a lighter source of protein like a sea bass um, but I think it's trialing those foods over time um, and slightly adjusting what does work and what doesn't work. Um, I think as well, lots of people have many different dislikes of um, foods. They like many different things, whether it's culturally or just um, their either their diet, they may be pescatarian or vegetarian. Um, and I think it's finding what works for you. Not one meal is going to work for you. Um, and that's where I kind of, I did come up with the the idea of the pre sixty bar, but I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that later um, in regards to that that fueling. I would say I'm still experimenting because right now we we talked a lot about individualizing um, your game day foods or something like that. But now let's think about a scenario where you are traveling. Like we were in Athens yesterday, and I know right now with the team we always get the same match day food. And uh, now comes the question, if someone doesn't tolerate maybe pre-match meal, how can they better prepare? So that's a problem for me because I don't really like the pre-match meal that we have. It's quite, quite heavy in carbs, not the best ingredients maybe because 
my club's financially not the best uh, or, or whatever. So I try to, me, myself, load up on the breakfast, still consume some of the carbs, but I'm still, it's a trial and error, i got to be honest. Uh, right now, that's working for me. But in the past, I've tried a vegetarian diet, uh, which at the time felt better for me. I've tried a, a low-carb diet, like Liam did. But uh, some interesting points from Alex, which um, I liked, were that uh, we should focus more on the carbs, more on the sugars, that because we are high-performing athletes, we consume, we, we use a lot of energy. We should not only um, look at how much protein or vegetables we consume, but also it's okay that we have a higher carb intake or whatsoever. I had a misconception in the past that I've, I thought that consuming more carbs uh, wasn't the right choice for me, but I also transitioned that misconception to now consuming more carbs regularly because working with my individual athletic coach from Germany, we came up with a plan also having more carbs in order for fueling. I noticed that primarily in my preseason when we had two double days of training that the carbs really helped me um, with, with the energy throughout the days. Uh, having two double days a day. So I'm, I, I thought, to be honest, I didn't perfect my match day or meal yet, but I'm still working on it. Yeah, it's uh, probably not the easiest thing in the world to do, especially when you're moving and you've got, let's say, an external barrier on you with the club's financial situation. And also, I mean, when you're traveling, I remember two weeks ago, maybe 40 hours just to get to an away game. That's kind of crazy. So if you think about that, that's two days of meals. And if you are not having complete control over that situation, and then you're expected to perform, that's far from ideal. And it's kind of crazy how that happens in professional football, but it happens probably a lot more than anyone's aware of. But with, with like, trying to... Do you want to go back, sorry? Yeah, for example, we're not Manchester City or, let's say, a Premier League club, which has several different cooks or whatever, on the scenario that um, Nick just mentioned, the 40-hour trip, so our first... Uh, League game was a cup game, or first uh, game of the season was a cup game uh, down in Crete. So um, I live in Thessaloniki right now in Greece, so very far in the north, and we went down to an island. We didn't have the financial cap capabilities or there was no space on the flights to take two flights down to Crete. So we had to go on the bus and uh, the ferry. As uh, Nick mentioned, we went on the Saturday and we had our game on our Sunday. And we had to sleep on the boat and we got a pre-match meal on the ferry itself so that is a different factor as well so the quality on the ferry is not the best uh, which factors in as well so there are many external factors but you just have to try to uh, fuel the best for your performance with the uh, available capabilities you have on hand. yeah crazy crazy um now let's go into a bit about liam so liam if you can give us an a, a background on how obviously you started in Australia, like myself, like your brother. And let's go into how you started playing football. And with that, obviously, we kind of spoke about why you had such a affinity almost towards the pre-60 bar with the nutrition aspect. But if we can go into why you started playing football, when you started playing football, and now you moving over with the rest of your family to England and now the goals for the pre-60 bar. Yeah, so I started playing football um, ever since I could walk, really. Um, I can send you guys a photo and you can put it up if you guys do that. But um, yeah, like, there's a there's a photo of me in a Liverpool kit like ever since I could walk, like very small um, in my Nike boots playing football um, down, just down at my local pitch. And 
from there, just trying to grow. Um, obviously, my dad was into football um, when he was younger. He um, was about to sign professionally, but was making more money as business at that time. Um, so obviously, with the English background of my parents, you've obviously got football there being such a big sport over here. And um, Australia, not the biggest sport for football. Um, so I got to the highest level, NPL over there, um, which is one of the highest levels uh, apart from obviously A-League academies, which they've only just really kind of bought up now. Um, so I was playing the highest level really of my area. Um, didn't make a, didn't make teams back then. Um, I wasn't like, I would say I was the one of the better players obviously in my team, but I still got rejected from clubs back in Australia, like uh, South Coast national team, stuff like that. Got rejected from uh, Queensland team, got rejected from the game. Um, and then moved over here when I was 14. Uh, my brother was playing down in Plymouth. So I moved down to Plymouth um, alongside him. After he moved over about a year later, I moved over, finished by halfway through year 10, 11, did my schooling, trialed down in Plymouth. They didn't like me. So I did a six-week trial down there. They didn't like me. Um, then my brother's agent managed to get me a trial um, who was then my agent after uh, Michael Owen management. So great Michael Owen, um, Ballon d'Or winner, Liverpool. Um, so he was, his agency was my agency at the time. I then signed for Cardiff City after two days, uh, two game trial. So I played only two games and they wanted to sign me straight away on a two year scholarship. Um, and then I ended the contract there about six, seven months in. It just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, ended the contract, then spent about half a year trying to find another club. Ended up finding Bournemouth. Sorry, let me go back. Before I signed for Cardiff City, I was on trial at Man United. Um, so yeah, there's a kind of a few different a few different things along my footballing journey. Um, it has been a tough road. And then now I'm at Bournemouth, been playing there for the past year and a half. Um, as I mentioned as well in the quick fire questions, recently made my my pro debut still not a pro footballer not on a pro contract but made my pro debut um in the first team um about last month so yeah it's been it's been a good a good journey so far just looking to see what happens from it but within the the footballing side comes the nutrition side um and then obviously the gym side as well so the nutrition side i love focusing on um it's a big like favorite part of the footballing side um, and just healthy lifestyle in general and that's where I came up with the idea of the the pre-60 bar um, creating a high energy bar for athletes just messing around kind of with my recipes that I do on my Instagram so yeah as I've come over to England I've started my my Instagram documenting my journey and um, that's been about since February of 2020 I start uh, 2022 sorry I started my professional diary Instagram page social media um, so it's at about 150k followers at the moment and what that is is just documenting my journey to becoming a professional helping others also on their journey so they can get inspiration from me hopefully motivation as well um, and then I also post healthy meals and within the healthy meals I'm then always experimenting with different things and that's where the pre-60 bar came about so we can't disclose ingredients everything like that at the moment because we're still starting up but it is a 
very natural. It's a natural bar. We're trying to include very minimal ingredients um, as possible that obviously we can get shipped out to people and hopefully they can buy it. Alex can disclose more of the, the nutritional information, but I I had this idea um, of the pre-60 bar and the performance guys, and I thought, who's a, not a better, like who's the best person I can partner with to make this happen and like more knowledgeable than I am within the nutrition space. And that's where Alex came in. Um, I contacted him and we've been working on this probably for a good, I'd say upwards of seven, seven, eight months, um, just back and forth. Um, trying to get this started and up off the ground. It's taken off now. We're trying to really, in the process, ramp everything up now um, in regards to getting everything started, branding, manufacturing, all all things like that. Um, and as you know, Val, Nick, it's not a, it's not an easy process. Um, but the pre sixty bar is a is a high carb bar, high energy bar for athletes to have before training. And as we mentioned, it's not easy dialing in your nutrition before training um, and before games when you're traveling loads so the pre-60 bar is coming in for people to take with them it's not a meal replacement we're not replacing your nutrition as a meal we're replacing a pre-match snack yeah Val I have a quick question um would there be a difference between a bar for pre-training and pre-match or would it be the same for both scenarios so Alex will Alex will tell you uh, more in depth uh, on in regards to carbs because he's more more nutritionally in, uh, educated than I am on that. With with that quickly before Alex is, is right for you just clarify for the listeners right because let's assume that the listeners don't have any background in periodical uh, nutrition or timing and let's Alex you can also explain about this the the goal and the intention of the bar itself because you're you guys won't i like when when we're thinking about the performance guys it's not going to just be the pre-60 bar right so the goal behind the performance guys can you maybe go into the goal of the performance guys as a as a whole 100 percent. the goal isn't isn't to be a just a one singular bar to be before games and before trainings we do want to hopefully expand in the future to have a post-match bar um, to help people recover and um, fuel properly after matches um, and, and maybe an intra-bar like a quick source of a quick source carb to have a hard time or whatever but the pre-60 bar is going to be our first kind of project um, our first startup um, product to launch to the market see if people are really interested in it um, to launch to my followers that are following me to hopefully get into football clubs and grassroots teams for athletes uh, coming up. Um, and that's going to be our first project. We're mainly focused on that, but we are focused on that. That's our one singular goal at the moment to make that successful. And then hopefully we can go to different other products, as we mentioned, like a post or an intra bar. Um, but yeah, Alex Alex can go into into more detail on that as well. Yeah, so a key point about the, the nutrition in fueling is that you should fuel before during and after and uh, that's actually very hard and if we, we're just focusing at the moment on that on that pre that pre-match bar the pre-event bar and if what we know is is that during sort of football we we lose about 50 percent of our of glycogen stores by by half time so we're already quite depleted 
So the food we put in before is actually it's pretty important. You know, we do the the days before are are essential, but the, the the little bit extra we can do beforehand. That's why I mentioned Haribo sometimes being a good idea beforehand, fifteen minutes before. Um, fast and GI and and they're light and they can be quick acting and lull the gut sort of health. But in terms of the the bar that we're having, is that it's going to be something that you can't currently buy. So there is probably a limited uh, availability on on pretty much bars at the moment. And if we think about what that needs to be, is that we want it really around 30 grams to 40 grams of carbohydrates. Now, a really important point to mention, which we haven't mentioned so far, is that if any listeners are quite young, i.e. in the sort of 12 to 16, so you're still sort of going through growth and maturation, you cannot up, not uptake lots of carbohydrates like the older counterparts. So it's not good information just to load up on pasta, load up on cut spurs, get your basic meals fine, and then slowly add in foods like desserts and like a pre-match bar as a key point to mention that we we haven't done so far but that pre-match bar is going to be mainly the main sole purpose of pre-match beforehand is fluids and carbohydrates whereas a post-match bar is a protein and carbohydrates so we're not really looking at putting the protein in the bar because that's not what we need because protein is not a good source of energy it's a muscle repair as well as some metabolic responses Whereas carbohydrate is our as our main energy source. Um, you may want to go for if you're an you know, endurance athlete, you may want to have some fats in there because fats are used at a lower intensity. But because we're marketing towards that team sports, high impact, high energy, you know, top level athletes, the grassroots, the game is still the same whether you play on a Sunday or a Saturday in a stadium of eighty thousand people or eight people. The game is still walking, running, jogging, and um, and sprinting. And what's really fascinating is that what I'm finding in my PhD at the moment is that, and there's some literature already from um, from Everton Football Club uh, that have shown that young athletes in football burn more calories than their male counterparts. And when we think about it, it's actually pretty obvious in some ways because they're going through growth and maturation as well as trying to play football four times a week. And the coaches sometimes, hopefully they're educated, but sometimes they're not and their energy expenditure goes too high. So the pretty much bar is there really to be as natural and when we say natural you know there is probably going to be some ingredients in there that are going to be to preserve it for longer that that may happen uh, we haven't got to that point yet but we'll be honest and open about it and what they are will be the best possible but it'll be as close to its natural form as it looks so we won't try and manipulate it too much it'll be a really um a high impactful light and hopefully trying to get into that 30 to, to 40 grams of carbohydrate which goes along with the evidence of what we need so in a way, it could become a intra bar as well, but that market is already quite dominated in some ways. So that would probably be a separate area. Whereas pre-match at the moment is a, a really good field to get into, and uh, with Liam's great cooking skills, uh, we're putting up a, a pretty tasty product so far. Awesome. So let's go with the you're testing the waters at the moment with the pre sixty and then with this, you know, obviously you've got a lot of uh people who will be listening to this who want to get their hand on it. So can you give us a estimated time frame on when you guys are hoping to get this out on the market? Because obviously, as I said, there's people who want to know more about it. Obviously, you guys are starting up. But for the listeners, what what are you guys kind of seeing the next few months, years, um, progressing with the performance guys? So um, I think Alex Jolio. I was just going to say um, the, the the first thing would be best to do is is to give uh, give us a follow to follow that journey. 
And then hopefully in the next sort of six months, we'll actually be able to have a, a not only you know to be able to see the product development, but also see the outcome within that that six month period. Obviously, if it gets a bit sooner, the one thing we're not going to do is just rush it. Um, we've been very patient so far. And I think that's been a good thing because we've been able to iron out any future mistakes that could have happened. So I'd say for me and, and Liam and I'm um, sure Liam would agree with that six month period trying to really formulate that product and, and get it to the people that want it. But definitely follow the journey because then you'll be able to see it even being made from a external point of view. But yeah, Liam can uh, touch a bit more. Yeah, 100%. I think sometime next year, definitely um, early next year, we want to be launching it to like the masses and getting it out there. Um, whether that's through us getting it into a manufacturer and getting it launched. I spoke to Val um, earlier just about his his products within uh, Synth being a protein company and supplement company and uh, just talking about the timeframes on that. And he was saying it was it was quite like a one to two year um, two year period. So yeah, we will have to obviously see, but I think the big things we're just going to be keeping you guys updated in regards to um, is our journey, and we're going to hopefully go go to a few grassroots areas, uh, football clubs, try do product testing there, um, maybe test them at a few different football clubs, whether it's Fulham where Alex works, um, just to see people's opinions, and we're going to be documenting that all on the performance guys, and um, that's Instagram, the performance guys with three S's. Um, on instagram documenting that journey and it's going to be it's going to it's not going to be an easy journey um as i'm sure val knows it's not an easy journey with a a food or a snack bar or supplement bar company um it's definitely not going to be easy i don't know i'm aware of that but i'm not i'm not in for the for the easy rise i'm there to try try and make an impact and it's always been my dream to to have something like a supplement company or a bar company awesome full transparency as well guys um Val and I are also fully aware of where the both of um, Alex and Liam are. We just wanted to give you guys um, an introduction. So I, I did know the answers already. And <laughs> we were even speaking about it prior to when we first started recording. But it is a, it's a very exciting project. And also it's, it's a great thing for us four to be in a call. Because one, we will have a common interest of football. And then two... We all are trying to do businesses ourselves and Val being probably the, uh, maybe as well with Alex, with his own, um, like a business there, they're, they're, they're deep in where Liam and I were just starting out. So we're kind of learning from these guys, which is, as Liam said, it's tricky, but we're not here for, you know, the easy, the easy route. And I don't think anyone in this call is here for the easy route. And we can kind of see this through the people who've gone before us like Val and Alex but um Val have you got something to say quickly no I just wanted to say enjoy the process guys uh, you will learn so much from it and uh, maybe I can give you some tips to not make the same mistakes uh, I went through it already with uh, manufacturing my products um, basically from first conception to product market uh, it took me two and a half years uh, the the Ingredient sourcing and the manufacturing, I think, is the hardest subject because you can't control that. It's all up to the manufacturer. And as a new business, in that sense, the small fishes or the small fish are always uh, overlooked a couple of times and are not taken care of so much. But um, definitely, I, I am already very excited to try your bars. Uh, it's not even 
sampled yet and I already want to try it. So I look forward to sampling it in the future and look forward to watching the journey on. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's going to be quite a cool thing when we see, you know, the four of us with our own products one day. I think we could all, we could also make a full episode, you know, just the business part about, because let me say some of the stuff that Val and I talk about, um, when we have our calls, it's Val is very experienced. And I think one actually key thing to say, just for the sake of this episode is Val mentioned that making mistakes, right? But I think actually as well, Val, you would agree with me on this because we've spoken about it before. I see the LinkedIn posts. Those mistakes are actually very valuable as well. And when we think about with Val and his quote unquote mistakes, we all know that Val actually don't doesn't see them as mistakes. It's just that that's the best word to explain them for everyone. But Val, if you can even talk about some of the, the best lessons that you've got, maybe actually we'll go with this before we go for the last few questions of the episode. Val, what is the one mistake that you would call a mistake, but you actually learned a valuable lesson from? And I think I know this one already, but if you can give that as a piece of advice to both Liam and Alex, what would that be? I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about, but I would say don't pay your invoices 100% upfront because it will be this scenario. The manufacturer has all the money and he can decide when to put it on the, um, on the production line. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have any more leverage. It's not only with the manufacturers, it's also with the, the maybe the logistics uh, or whatever the cost will be eventually if you have an external um, contract or, or whatsoever. I made the mistake. I transferred all the money. I paid the invoice up front because I, I, I thought, and it's, it's, it should be done like this to pay all your invoices on time and not have the others wait for you in that sense. But I did negotiate a not paying 100% up front. So paying 50%. And then when the products are finished and maybe have been delivered, you pay the rest of the 50% because then, then you have a leverage uh, for the manufacturers to also want to get their money from you immediately. So that was the biggest mistake I did at the beginning. I had to wait one year for my product and I paid that thing and those things up front. That's one big learning. So try to negotiate with the uh, manufacturer. Most manufacturers want for first-time customers to have 100% upfront because they're a new customer but you can have different options around it. For example, that the bank holds the rest of the 50%, so both parties are uh, secured uh, or backed up potentially, so no one has the risk on their side. That's one thing I'm doing with a new manufacturer. Manufacturer, for example, they say they want 100% upfront. I told them I don't want to do this because of my past mistakes so now we negotiated and we're doing it um, via a bank so basically i pay everything up front but only 50 percent into the deposit of the manufacturer this is the style this is the type of stuff when i'm thinking like okay i gotta start taking notes because these are very very valuable lessons um i think we as i said there could be a whole whole another episode about the business side because it's just Val's had a lot of experience and and for me, he's just getting my hands in it with Liam. He's also just getting his hands in it. We're going to be learning a lot. And I'm sure it's the same with Alex. But guys, if I think we can kind of start to wrap it up. And I think if the both of you don't have anything else to say on those topics, um, we'll go into the last questions that we've got for you. Okay. My, my question for Liam, 
can you share one specific example from your experience where optimizing pre-training or pre-game nutrition made a significant difference a significant difference in your performance uh i think a big a big experience was learning from that from that weight loss journey um learning from where i underfueled uh, at one stage in my life to then now uh learning where periodization and pre-match loading before days before like two days before um is a big important like impact to your performance and how you are going to perform um especially not eating low calorie foods just because they're low calorie eating quality nutritional foods before before you uh worked together with alex did you have any other partner you worked with a nutritionist or whatsoever because what may be the listeners can take from this i personally have this belief you should get in touch with professionals like nutritionists like physiotherapists if it's an injury based or whatever if it's athletic coaches because maybe trialing isn't the key you don't have the knowledge yet um to optimize your performance uh, so i wanted to know if you worked uh, with someone before or it was yourself trialing the low calorie foods and then alex coming in to help you out on that subject yeah i think i didn't personally have anyone before that stage i think it was a lot of it was a lot of youtube a lot of instagram and i think that's where that came in in regards to low calorie calorie deficit um without the knowledge of having the right nutrition um And I think that's where a lot of kids nowadays can struggle. They might watch um, things on YouTube like bodybuilders or whatever, and they uh, they relate that back to football where they're all going to a calorie deficit to lose so much body fat and they're trying to lose body fat too. But you going to a massive calorie deficit isn't going to help you uh, lose body. It is going to help you lose body fat, but you're also going to lose loads of muscle at the same time if it's such a big calorie deficit. Um, and then also you're not going to feel good when you're playing on the pitch. You do want to, if you want to lose body fat, you're going to have to go into a calorie deficit at the end of the day, but you don't want to try and do a massive thousand calorie deficit. You want to go gradually into it, if that makes sense. I didn't work with someone. Um, yeah, for sure. I didn't work with someone personally before I worked with Alex. Um, it was a lot of gra grabbing information from everywhere, YouTube, Instagram. And I think when I did up to, Alex can explain it a bit further later if he wants to, but up to when I worked with Alex, I did have quite a good knowledge. And then, work with Alex just like the knowledge of a food just went even further yeah I yeah I was just gonna say and I think maybe you're gonna say this as well is that Liam I was in the exact same boat as you as well with like not misinformation but it was that we took it and tried to adapt it to football and this leads to quite a lot of issues like for myself an eating disorder where maybe i took it to more of an extreme um liam you said that you weren't fueling enough yeah so that's that was the exact same as me and that it would lead to binge eating and then that's a very repetitive cycle and then it leads to disordered eating even if you don't binge eat anymore and i still suffer with disordered eating like massively because i still am traveling and i don't have somewhere to cook sometimes i'm going from country to country i don't even know what foods i can eat here And then there's so many different things. And I think that that's going to actually probably be a massive problem in the future because you've got, for example, the one of the biggest sources of like nutritional information is bodybuilders because that's such a big part of their lives, right? And for footballers, we're not always looking for the next thing or that edge and nutrition is such a big part of it. We're going to where the most information is. 
and that's not tailored to us. And even if it is tailored to footballers, for example, Matt Sheldon, like I know he does a lot of stuff there. And Val, you you, you even work with Matt Sheldon a bit. Oh, is Matt Sheldon his name? Okay, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like there's there's information there for footballers, but as we've spoken about this whole episode, it's not personalized, which is the biggest problem, right? So for example, if Liam's gone through the exact same nutrition plan as me, he will have different results. And that's that's a massive thing. Um, but let's go into the question that I've got for Alex. Now, we've kind of spoken about carbohydrates already. We've talked about the debate and we've talked about how the, the conception of carbohydrates isn't necessarily a concern. Now, can we briefly go into the science to that? Because let's assume that our listeners don't know anything about the, the macronutrient of carbohydrates and what they do. Because Alex, you mentioned how protein is for recovery and etc. But what is the main role of carbohydrates? And when we're talking about, I believe, the ATP system. Yeah, so if we think about carbohydrates in the body, we want to consume carbohydrate, dietary carbohydrates to increase our muscle glycogen within our body. So muscle glycogen is our stored energy. So if you're particularly very young, you will struggle to store lots. If you're a little bit older, and as you get older, you'll be able to store more. That's usually because we have more muscle mass and glycogen is stored within our muscle. And then we have everyone here sitting right now has liver glycogen, which of course is stored in the liver. So we have two components of where glycogen is stored. So the sole aim, and, and if you want to go into real in-depth science, I guess, is once we need the energy, i.e. at high intensity, that is then utilized maybe by ATP or several different energy systems. You have things like the Krebs cycle, lactate cycle, and different energy systems going. But the main thing is that we need to have a high habitual carbohydrate because you're always so active throughout the week. That's a key component. So it's actually sometimes better to go less scientific because if you start trying to confuse things and leading back to your previous question before I mentioned about eating disorders, you can get cross lines. So a good example here is that we consume carbohydrates it then stores as muscle glycogen. If you change that wording to I'm consuming a high sugary potato because potatoes have sugar in them. That then changes the whole entire behavior of how that makes you feel. However, it's going to be utilized exactly the same when you go on the pitch or going to train it. So the key component there is just to concentrate on the carbohydrates. And remember, we want one to three grams of body weight for our pre-match main meal. That's going to give us the best opportunity to replenish our glycogen stores or increase our glycogen stores ready for our, our game in two to three, four, four hours or so. A key point you mentioned there, Nick, about what protein does is recovery. Well, actually, carbohydrates is also for recovery as well as fueling. Because when we expend energy, so when we've lost our liver glycogen, we've lost glycogen because we've, and our, and our, and our muscles and liver, because we've gone and played 90 minutes of football, or you've played 45 minutes, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You've spent that, you've spent that uh, energy. You then want to replenish that via having some some sort of a high carbohydrate meal. And this is where you can get kind of cool with things. And this is one thing I recommend all your listeners to do today is have chocolate milk after your sessions uh, as, as a post-match because within chocolate milk is something called sucrose. And if you actually go on social media right now, I reckon if you type in sucrose, it would say it's really bad for you. But it's not. It's um, a really important carbohydrate and it replenishes the glycogen really quickly. And as a young athlete, 
you expend your liver glycogen far quicker than your adult counterparts. And if you think about what I said before, is that if you contain a lot of muscle mass, or if you, you know, older, typically more muscle mass than a younger athlete, you're going to have more glycogen within your muscle to expend, whereas if you're a younger person, it's going to have a lot of your liver glycogen. Now, fortunately, the human body is built very well, and you have a lot already. But if you're playing consecutively over weeks, we need to keep replenishing that liver that glycogen via dietary uh, carbohydrate. Hopefully that wasn't too in-depth. That, is that kind of all good? That was all good. Um, I think definitely cleared up a lot there for the listeners. And also, I think that was a really good point with the the very actionable task of chocolate milk. I remember that um, we had... I did a state titles, which was my first time ever playing for area of New South Wales. And let me mind know the, the competition even. And we had this one guy who told us chocolate milk after every training session. And boy, did we get chocolate milk after every training session. It was, it was brilliant. And I think actually it really helped because there was even this high protein chocolate milk that Oak released. It was the best thing out there. It was, it was amazing. Um, now, Val, I think that we've actually covered the next few questions. So I think if you can go for question five, Val, and then we'll start to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so a question for both of you, actually. Managing nutrition with sports performance can be challenging, especially for younger athletes out there. Uh, what advice do you have for individual, individuals who aspire to excel in their sports careers while maintaining a healthy relationship with food? Uh, because sometimes athletes throughout the season, or I made the mistake often, uh, doing like differentiating between preseason, off season, and the normal season, and how your diet or fueling changes. Um, I personally always took the same road. Um, so maybe you can give us some aspects there. I think as you just mentioned, there it does change from off season to preseason to. Um, obviously in season off season you might not eat as much you might go into a slight calorie deficit or a slight calorie surplus depending on what your goals are if you're trying to lose weight or put on muscle um pre-season you're usually fueling quite a lot since the intensity is quite hard um whether that's loads of calories or loads of carb um i know for me i i feel quite well um in pre-season leading up to training and games and then in season, you're staying pretty consistent. I think a key word is consistency when it comes to nutrition, making sure it's dialed in and different things like that. Alex, your take? Yeah, so my first bit of advice is to anyone listening that is a young athlete is do not worry is the first point. If you start worrying about your food, you then start creating a culture and behavior where you, every time you put something on the plate, you're kind of thinking, overthinking what, what's going in your body. Is that right? Is that what the nutritionist said? Is that what the Premier League people are doing? And so don't need to worry. My second point is get your fundamentals first. So we've mentioned things like carbohydrates, protein, just every meal that you have that's away from football, just have good balance of food and all the foods that you enjoy. Now, for someone who doesn't like certain foods, that's your next step in thinking, let's say you're really common young athletes, you don't like vegetables. Okay, so how can you, instead of saying I don't like vegetables, change your behavior and say things like, how can I get these vegetables in my body? Can I liquidize them with a sauce? Can I liquidize them into a soup? Can I have them into a smoothie? So it's never the it's never a yes or a no. It's just how you can do it differently. And that's where it becomes individualized. Then go on to the next stages of trying to get your pre and post match down. 
So definitely start with a, a, a fundamental base and then move forward from there. Otherwise, it gets too overcomplicated and you start hearing things. And don't restrict any foods. So enjoy all your foods and, and don't be restricted, provided you know you just got some good solid base meals. And then you can still have things like your Haribo's, your chocolate. You can still have all those things in your diet just at the right time. I have a quick dilemma I wanted to pop inside for Alex, for example. We talked about that younger athletes consume more energy because they're still in the growing phase. They maybe have higher training intensities, more inputs to school and training, etc. Now, let's say the scenario we have helicopter parents, let's call them, where they restrict every move a young athlete does and they start worrying about the foods they intake and stuff. They are restricted. Oh, I'm not allowed to eat sugars or whatsoever. They maybe don't know it yet, but maybe they don't fuel properly uh, in order to have their best performance. What advice could you give them if they, ha if they have parents which are maybe stricter? Do they talk to their parents, try to um, go to professionals like you who, who have studied this stuff and show them different ways of how the athletes itself can fuel better? Yeah, it's a good question. I get this on a, a daily basis when I'm in the academies and that parents want to have a really healthy diet. So they end up restricting lots of foods and they say things like they're not allowed pizza, they're not allowed, you know, going down to whatever shop it may be they like. Uh, and the best thing is, is just to steer them into the right direction of education because education, although education and knowledge doesn't always mean better behaviors. We have pretty good literature of that on that now. But what it does mean is that the sources of where you're getting your food from improve. So if your parents, you rely on your parents to cook for you, then you need to upskill your parents because they are your factoring um, means of eating. So if you're, you know, 12 to 14, 15, and you don't have, you know, you, know, you can't go to shops and buy yourself food, you need to steer them in the direction of trying to get a nutritionist. And listening to podcasts like this, you know, there's other ones, there's other people to follow in the nutrition realm, not just myself performance nutrition i think you had um guy from brentford on recently so there's there's people out there that are going to give you the right messages the first thing would be speak to your parents or guardians to say you know i think we should do it differently because i'm feeling a little bit fatigued or feeling a little bit tired or i'm i feel like i'm not growing as quick as someone else employ a nutritionist you know usually we a 15 minute chat with a nutritionist can put you at ease and put you in the right direction that's how easy nutrition can be. And then you can build from those fundamentals moving forward. But most definitely steer them in the right direction of, of correct education. And don't be restrictive where where possible. Um, and try and remember to get all foods in your diet, even when you don't like them. I, th I think that's great. So we have something for the listeners to take if they have any any problems at home or something. There are ways out there uh, where you can, can find professional help um from the people who have studied this and those aspects but i think it was a very very interesting topic and going into the ending of our podcast and our tradition of asking our guests three ways on how to sculpt or how they sculpt their, themselves uh, i want to ask liam can you share with us three uh, factors on how to sculpt yourself on a daily basis so I think, as I always mention, I think three big things, consistency, discipline, and hard work. Your, I know you guys like three, so there's your three. Um, I think with those three things in anything you do in life, um, if you stick at it for a long enough period, um, whether it's one, two years, five, ten years, um, without whatever you're doing, whether that's football, business, college, uni, 
um i think you'll be successful if you do you if you stick you're consistent with it over that time frame you're disciplined enough to um overcome setbacks and failures and keep working and then obviously hard work putting in the hours when no one else wants to those three things is a as a massive thing awesome yeah uh lee we've spoken about it before how yeah i like the three things and it worked well um now alex what about you what are the three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis not sure I have three words like Liam, but I'm a little bit old school. Maybe I'm trying to age a little bit. But I think the first thing uh, is always make your bed. That is a habit I think you should everyone should do. And you'll be surprised after a year or two how successful that can make you feel. Uh, and then the second one is just to uh, read. Uh, I think reading is one of the most powerful tools that you can have from reliable sources. If you don't like reading audiobooks, uh, whether it's biographies or, or whatever it is, I read journals every day. Uh, PhD and and my working environment. And for my third one is uh, the not worrying that you're not the best right now, uh, because as long as you start on the right journey and and have an end goal, you can work up your way up that ladder. So don't worry about other people and just uh, in your words, sculpt yourself every day to reach that final final achievement, final goal, and, and you'll definitely get there. Yeah, awesome. Well. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. It was an absolute honor to get, you know, the both of the both of you here and to get this episode done because there's a lot of value for both, you know, the followers who will come come across from Liam and from our listeners who also might come across from Liam in the first place because obviously a lot of our, our listeners even come from both Liam and Charlie. Um so guys Thank you so much again. It was awesome to speak with you, Alex, to, to get into your, your knowledge and, and Liam to have you here to also talk about your personal experience as well. Um, yeah, it's it's been an awesome, awesome episode and I think there's so many valuable things in in today, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you very much, guys. Thanks, everyone.